Welcome to the podcast, Loving on Purpose. I'm your host, Bonnie Lyman. If you're having trouble navigating through your relationships with your adult children, if you are struggling to connect with them or having specific challenges, you're in the right place. Hi, welcome to episode two, The Pursuit of a Merry Christmas. Hi again. I want to welcome everyone. Thanks for listening another week. It's kind of a stressful time of year for women. We tend to take on this responsibility that we think all these things need to be done in order for everyone to have a Merry Christmas. And the truth of it is we can't make anybody have a Merry Christmas, if we're going to do anything at all to help someone who is close to us have a Merry Christmas is for us just to be happy and sane, well-rested, and not flustered and frustrated. But all these extra things we do, we kind of put upon ourselves. So maybe it's time that we look at the present generation and how they do Christmas. I remember some friends of mine that were good friends, and they were my kid's age. And when Thanksgiving came, they were going out to dinner on Christmas. That was so surprising to me. I just couldn't figure out why anybody would want to go out to dinner on Christmas. Well, I meant Thanksgiving, why they would want to go out to dinner on Thanksgiving or Christmas, but I think most places are closed on Christmas. But if you step back and look at it, it was like, well, why not? There's no dishes to clean up. We're still gathered. Everybody's happy. There's no extra responsibility Yes, there's some extra money maybe paid for, but we just show up and go out to Thanksgiving dinner. But it took me a while to even entertain that as maybe that is something I would possibly do one day. But it's okay to have difference of opinion on that. I'm just saying that maybe the generation these days of not piling on so many expectations for the holidays is a much healthier, emotionally healthier way to live. But I want to tell you of an incident that I did one Christmas that was just really crazy. But it started out, it was something I really wanted to do. And I think that's one way how we know if there's certain traditions, certain extra things we really want to do, is if we really want to do them and they make us feel good, then we do them. So I had in my mind that I wanted to have Christmas cookies in the house all December long. And it worked out well in that when anybody stopped by the house, I had cookies or If I was in a pinch and I had to take a little hostess gift or wanted to give a little gift to somebody, I had some cookies that I could give them. But 
by the time Christmas came, I didn't really care if I ever saw another Christmas cookie again, and they kind of lost their flavor. The ironical part was the next year I decided, nope, I'm not doing that again. I'm just going to make them the last week of Christmas because I really like having cookies at Christmas Eve festivities, and I like having Christmas cookies on Christmas. But nobody in my house even missed, even noticed that we didn't have cookies all December long. I think I could have not made one single cookie and nobody would have even noticed. So we really need to step back and see that everything that we do that stresses us out, we're kind of putting on ourselves. I mean, yes, it's fun to get Christmas packages and pick things out and wrap them and mail them, but would it be just as meaningful to buy gift cards and put those in the mail? But what I really want to talk about today is this idea of the pursuit of a Merry Christmas, of having a really good, enjoyable Christmas. And number one, I think we have to start with believing that we can. We have to believe that this Christmas can be exactly how we want it, and maybe that means cutting back. So in believing we have we can have a Merry Christmas, I think a good thing to do is to make a list. Make a list of what you think a good Christmas would be to you. Write down just as many things, even if you think you're not going to do them, that you think would aid in having a Merry Christmas. And then go back to your list and cross off. Cross off as many as you can and really get to the core of what you want to do. And then believe that, yes, I can have a Merry Christmas, even if there's COVID, even if your kids aren't coming to your house, even sometimes when you're alone, which I know is a very tender subject and very hard-stretched but maybe it means reaching out to somebody else who is also going to be alone. So if you believe really hard that you can have a good Christmas, it's going to help you think of things that you can do to make that happen. The other thing that is, I think, one of the most important things is to decide ahead of time what kind of Christmas you want to have. What I mean by that is, what do you want to feel when Christmas is all over? What do you want to feel when you're washing that last dish or putting away that last Christmas ornament or when the last 
guest leaves. How do you want to feel about Christmas? And what you have done, you've given an assignment to your brain. And your brain is going to go to work to help you find evidence to make that happen. I want to give you an example of this. It wasn't around Christmas time, but it was another time. I was working with a client that was going to a very important event in her grandchild's life. He was getting baptized. She was divorced, and her divorced husband was going to be there. She had not seen this man since her divorce, which was about seven years previous to this happen. Now, this particular man had a way that caused her to think of herself as not having much value, of not being very smart, of being inferior to everyone. And so she was very, very nervous about being there, that it was just going to ruin the whole event and that she wasn't going to be able to enjoy this marvelous gathering that was going to take place. So I told her to decide ahead of time how she wanted to feel when she got on that plane to come home. What was the feeling that she wanted to have? And so after she got back, she reported to me, and she said it was the most incredible weekend that she had ever had. People seemed to be extra nice to her, people she didn't even know. She even talked to her ex-husband. She went there thinking, I'm just not going to be around him. I'm not going to say anything. I'll be safe. But they even had a conversation And she did not have any ill feelings about herself. And just everything she said couldn't have gone more perfect. Well, there really wasn't much different that went on. It wasn't coincidence that things lined up right. It was her mind was looking for evidence, was looking for good things that was going to cause her to feel full of peace and love when she got on the plane. So it's the same way about when we're planning for any event. If we decide ahead of time how we're going to feel when it's all over, then I can't say it's 100% likely but you're going to have such a better Christmas. And I can bet you, I'd love to hear from any of you that want to report back to me that that uh, try this, that your Christmas was one of the merriest. Just deciding ahead of time how we want to feel is a way that we manage our brain. And when we can manage our brain, then we hang on to those thoughts that give us good feelings. I want to talk about one other thing when it has to do with having a Merry Christmas 
And that is not letting people that were around, friends and family, usually they're people that are close to us, cause us to not be able to have these great feelings we want to have at Christmas because of differences that are among all of us. Now, if you think about it, we get irritated when people are, they show up late or they whine all the time or they're they're just unpleasant to be around. But if everybody were alike and everybody acted perfectly, we wouldn't like that either. It'd be pretty boring And we would all just be acting like a bunch of robots. So it's the uniqueness and the individualness of us all that really is why we enjoy being around one another. But there are some suggestions to help just manage your mind a little bit so that you are in control of the feelings that you're feeling. Some things to focus on as you are around either difficult people or engaged in difficult conversations. So one of the things is is to be curious as to why people think the way they do. When somebody is talking about something that you feel the total opposite on or can't agree with at all, Instead of being judgmental about them, even if you're, you have no desire to change your opinion about how you feel, but just be curious as to why they are feeling the way they are feeling instead of jumping right to judgment. Judgment doesn't feel good. Curiosity is open and feels peaceful and calm. The second thing you can do is to focus on what you do have in common. And there is a lot. They like Christmas, just like you do. They have kids, just like you do. They like living in, we'll say, the Northwest just like you do. They like having sufficient money to pay for their bills, just like you do. They like having good health, just like you do. So if you were really to sit down and make a list, you would see that you have more in common than differences. And so focus on those things. Just step aside from what your differences are. Maybe they let their kids just run around without any discipline and say, but they have kids just like me. They get to choose how to raise those kids just like I get to choose how I want to raise my kid. So, You do have more in common, so focus on what you do have in common. The other thing you can do is listen 
to understand. And what I mean by that, I'm really at fault at this. Somebody will start talking, all these ideas come in my head, and I just can't wait to jump in and offer my opinion. Now, it may even be an opinion that's in in agreement with what they're saying, but I want to give my two cents. I want to give the information I have about it. And yet, when I do that, I'm paying more attention to what I'm going to say than listening to understand of why this is important to them, what this means to them, how this is affecting their life. But just listening to understand, to know more about them and not just having it be about me. I think the final thing is that we don't allow others to be themselves. And so I think we have to make a conscientious commitment ahead of time to allow others to be themselves. You know, if they show up late, that's kind of what they do. That doesn't make them a bad person. If they, uh, we talked some about raising their kids. If they choose to raise their kids a certain way, they have every right to do that. If they say things that you disagree with, it's okay. They get to do and they get to say anything they want because of the free agency we were all born with. We all have some real quirky, stupid things probably that we do that can be annoying, but we just need to allow people just to be themselves. It may be that they butt in all the time when somebody else is talking or that they tell these really corny jokes all the time. But if we can commit, again, it's getting out of judgment and into love, and we can just start by allowing them just to be themselves. So in conclusion, conclusion, you get to tell the story about how your Christmas is going to be. You get to decide how you want to feel when Christmas is over. And I wish the very best for all of you. I wish the best Christmas ever, and I know it can be, if you just believe it, and if you just decide ahead of time, and if you just allow others to be themselves that it will be one of your best Christmas ever. Are you tired of feeling sad and hurt all the time? I can help you. I use a simple formula called the model, which is as simple as addition. It's simple to learn, but not always as simple or easy to apply. Go to bonnielyman.com and book a free one-on-one 
free 60-minute coaching call and let's talk this out.